Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. Hello and welcome to the October edition of the Faith Lead Book Hub. Today we are talking about outside of the box faith formation with authors and educators Don Rudman and Ross Murray. We're going to begin with early childhood with Don Rudman. She is currently the Director of Development for Faith Formation Resources at Spark House and Augsburg Fortress. Since 2002, she has developed over 20,000 pages of faith formation curriculum and five Bibles for kids. She has also written three children's books and the parenting book that we are highlighting today called Little Steps, Big Faith, How the Science of Early Childhood Can Help You Grow Your Child's Faith. Throughout the pandemic, Dawn has focused on how congregations can rethink early childhood ministry once it is safe for families to gather together again. Dawn, take it away. Thank you, Leanne. And it's um, great to be at this webinar, connecting with ministry leaders from all over. Like Leanne mentioned, um, I serve um, people in the ELCA and broader ecumenical ministry leaders and congregations through my work at Spark House and Augsburg Fortress and our parent company called 1517 Media and have been developing curriculum there since 2002. So that if you've ever used... Um, Spark or Splash or Frolic or Holy Moly or Whirl or Reform. Um, those are just some of the curricula that I've worked on over these years and am always so grateful to connect with people in congregations who use those resources or who are just looking for a way to um, connect more deeply with kids and families. So also, like Leanne mentioned, I have written a book for parents and other caregivers called um, Big Steps, or, sorry, Little Steps, Big Faith sorry, I'm, I'm reversed here, that is a really practical way for families with little ones to see how we can take findings from early childhood uh, development and apply those to faith formation settings to see how is it that we can learn from the science how to raise our young children in faith. So I have about 15 minutes um, to talk with you about some ideas that I'd like to share regarding early childhood faith formation and what do we do in this stage that we're at in the pandemic. I, I can't start that though without extending a thank you to each and every one of you who is watching and listening now for the hard, hard work that you have been doing in your congregation since the pandemic started and we went into lockdown and digital worship and figuring out how do we connect with families since March of 2020, now that we're entering into about the 20th month of figuring this out. Thank you for what you do. Um, I have been uh, trying my best to listen to ministry leaders from all over, and it's clear it is really difficult and exhausting work. Um, it is also work that has led to some new insights and new practices for us in ministry that we would have never otherwise discovered. And what I'd like to do for you um, in this next about 15 minutes is have you think specifically about the young children in your congregation right now 
and how you might be invited to think about ministry with those children and their families, maybe differently than you had before. And I'm going to start by mentioning a study that has been done longitudinally over decades. Um, it might seem a little obscure here, but um, there was an event that is widely known as the Dutch famine that happened in 1944 and 1945 during the last year or so of World War II when the Nazi occupation meant that um, people of the Netherlands um, underwent a famine. They did not have um, enough nutrition. And so there was a sizable segment of their population that was malnourished for this time in 1944-1945. And what resulted from that famine was um, in part a specific study that looked at what happened to um, the women who were pregnant during this time and malnourished because it was such a specifically identifiable time frame. And what they learned was for those women who um, had their babies um, and they tracked um, what happened to the babies as they grew into children and adolescents, um, they found that if for women who were pregnant during that time, that cohort, that specific cohort of children born when their mothers while pregnant were malnourished, um, demonstrated uh, significant health problems, physical health problems, mental health problems um, that were much more pronounced than children who had been born just sort of before that time and just after that time. So they were able to sort of pinpoint this cohort um, that they were really vulnerable and showed the effects of not having enough, um, their, of their mothers not having enough nutrition. And, and the reason I bring this up is because I think for early childhood ministry, there is actually a cohort of children right now, um, and I don't mean to um, compare this to the ravages of, of malnutrition at all, um, but there is a cohort of children within our churches right now who have probably been underfed when it comes to the first months and year or two of their faith formation. Because any child who was an infant or a toddler um, or had been born since the pandemic in March of 2020 um, has not been exposed to the wonderful richness that church contexts have to offer. And um, I'd like to say that churches give children and their families a really rich neurological context for development so that children can begin to be exposed and hear and rejoice in the music of worship um, or the music that they sing when they're in an early childhood ministry group. They miss out on all of the rich social interaction with all those smiling faces looking at those adorable babies and toddlers. They miss out on hearing those words of faith that they would hear proclaimed in worship. Um, in faith formation time with their families, we have this group of children who have missed out now on being part of a worshiping, fellowshipping, loving community together as church because they haven't been meeting in person for most or all of their lives. I was reminded of this the first Sunday that my church gathered back together in person because I saw a family there who had a toddler who was walking around and talking. And I literally had not seen that family until March or since March of 2020 when she was still pregnant. 
And now she had this walking, talking toddler who had gone through his first year of life um, primarily cared for by both of his parents and not really seeing a whole lot of other people. So I think as church leaders, we need to consider that this is a pretty serious phenomenon that these young children have not been part of our worshiping communities, our faith communities in person. But rather than looking at that and sort of wringing our hands and thinking, oh, no, this is one more thing we need to do. And this is like, how can we ever catch up? Um, I would invite you to think about this as an opportunity to rethink and rebuild. Or for some of you, it may be for the first time thinking and building an early childhood ministry that is safe. That is, we're talking about, you know, mask mandates, you know, if we're indoors, having distancing and, and masks and um, looking at vaccination issues, but providing an opportunity for young children and their families to kind of catch up and be fed. And so what I would encourage you to do is think through what that could look like in your specific context to say, we want to focus on early childhood ministry which addresses the spiritual needs of the young child, which also addresses the unique stressors that parents and other caregivers have faced since March of 2020. And then looking to um, others who are also doing this to figure out what are some innovative ways that we can support early childhood faith formation while we're still in the pandemic now, and looking to, okay, once we can all safely gather again, like what, what do we do? How can we support um, faith formation in young children and support their families, their, their exhausted and weary parents, so that we can make up for the experiences that they haven't yet had within our, our faith communities? So I've got some ideas for this that I want to share with you. And this is something also, if you want to um, indicate in the chat, you have questions or um, when we get to the part towards the end of this webinar, when Ross and I will both be taking questions, you can ask then. But I want to give you some ideas for this. And the first one is kind of more administrative, but just making sure you know who are the babies and toddlers in your congregation. So doing kind of a, we used to call it cradle roll um, years ago, but like, who are those babies? Um, who are those toddlers? Who might be expecting a child in your church community? whether that's through pregnancy or adoption or fostering, so that you know you have the list. And some of those families might be people that you know pretty well, and others might be pretty loosely affiliated with your, with your congregation, but you want to make sure you know who these families are. And then thinking through, um, who can help me do this? Because you are doing so much, and your plate is so full. And also because the joy of doing early childhood ministry shouldn't be with just one person in a congregation. This is amazing work that we do when we nurture faith in young children. We are literally helping their new young brains to form brain connections with the repeated experiences of hearing songs or the loud proclamation of an amen after a prayer, which I bet most or all of us have heard a young child's voice proclaim amen after everyone else has said it. We know that they start learning those forms within worship, within the liturgy. 
Early childhood ministry is too important. It's too delightful to have just be within one person's job description or what one person does. So after you have a chance to pull together who are these young children in our communities, I would invite you to really prayerfully discern who might God be calling to be part of early childhood ministry that we are going to innovate here within our community. And I would invite you to extend that list into the population um, that Roth will be talking about later, which is youth. How might it be that youth could help support you in developing some new ideas for early childhood ministry? We know that there are some young people who have gifts for working with young children and being able to recognize and name those and then invite them into um, supporting early childhood ministry could be a really powerful thing for some youth in your congregation. So if you get that list and you know who those families are, you know who those little ones are, and you start thinking about your team, whether it's teams that are going to help you plan things, whether it's a prayer team that just has families' names and promises to pray for them, you can start thinking through what can early childhood ministry look like in our church community and how can we start making some plans for that? And what I would give you permission to do is to say, maybe we have a couple of ways to do that in person that we might try to plan now, but it's okay to think already to say, okay, we want to have something up for being in person starting in fall of 2022. I know we just started the new program year, but this might be really long-term planning and what you might do programmatically. And between now and then, maybe some of the ideas or most of the ideas that you have are connected to um, online kinds of things, connecting with families, um, or maybe you develop an online Bible story library of you or others on your team, especially youth, reading stories from an early childhood Bible, getting permission from the publisher to do that. So making sure you have um, that it's okay to do that copyright wise and providing sort of an online Bible story library for families to check out that they can access on social media so they can start hearing uh, stories of the faith. And accompanying that, maybe another thing you do is think through the resources you can provide to families so they're equipped to start passing on faith to their little ones, which can include recommendations for and gifts of story Bibles and other faith-based books. Now, um, that I said I, I work for Sparkhouse, I work for Augsburg Fortress. I'll just do a quick little plug just because I happen to write these two books under a pseudonym of Lucy Bell. But um, these are two storybooks in our Frolic series that tackle developmental challenges like telling the truth. This is Joe and the Not So Little Lie. Um, and also about feeling overwhelmed. This is Yuri and the Busy Day. Um, but starting to think through what books you could recommend or even gift to families so that they can have faith-based books in the home. Now, if there's a way to do that with music, as well, whether that's you coming up with a Spotify playlist um, of faith-based songs that you would love for families to hear, or maybe it's a way to think about sung liturgy in your congregation and how to make sure that families can access that liturgy 
so that kids can hear the words of the Kyrie and the Gloria um, so that they have that music in their homes. That helps them prepare for when we can all be safely back together singing together so that the children are familiar with those songs. Those couple of areas are two of my chapters in my Little Steps Big Faith book having to do with music and having to do with literacy. What songs are we singing? What music do young children hear? And also um, what books are they reading? But what I would also encourage you to think through is what language of faith could you start to introduce to those families of little ones? A couple of examples are simple table prayers that you teach maybe online um, in a recording, in a video that you do. Maybe you're showing your own family in the table prayer that you use, but starting to teach families ways that they can weave faith into daily life through language like a table prayer, through a blessing that you give each child or that you give a child at night. Um, one that I've given my own kids who are now teenagers is every night before they go to bed, or at least most nights before they go to bed, um, I make the sign of the cross on their forehead. And I say their first and middle name. And then I say child of God. Um, and what I found when they were little is that if I forgot to give them their cross at night, um, and then an hour later, when I thought they were in bed, but their light was still on, I would go in and say, why aren't you sleeping? And they would say, you didn't give me my cross yet. So they had a very good reason. Um, but that kind of blessing or in, uh, helping families see that they can weave blessings into daily life, like a car seat buckle blessing, so that every time you buckle or unbuckle a child in a car seat, you can say a little blessing, God, keep us safe on our journey. God, thank you for keeping us safe on our trip. These kinds of words of faith are typically not something that parents spontaneously think of themselves. They need these ideas from you, ministry leader. And the great thing about addressing these rituals in early childhood is that you can craft them to happen around things that the family is doing anyway waking up in the morning or going down for a nap or for bedtime, meals together, car seats being buckled, diaper changes, the whole idea of faith time somehow being separate or set aside doesn't align with the daily lives of families and also doesn't align with um, scripture where we know that God has called us to keep these words in our hearts when we are at home, when we are away, uh, in the morning when we rise, at night when we go to sleep, and even within um, what is in our, our homes, our doorposts, our gates. So I hope that I've been able to give you just some practical ideas as ministry leaders for how you might be able to start thinking through strategically, how do we make sure that these little ones who haven't been able to safely be part of our worshiping in-person community, how can we make sure that we are thinking about their faith development. You know, we know one of the big changes we've seen since March is that baptisms have typically happened privately. So we don't get to meet and welcome and proclaim words with these new little ones. So does it take some extra planning? Yes. 
Um, fortunately, the, the cost isn't that high um, for some of these things, but it does take sort of that mental focus. But um, I think that if we turn this um, to God and say, who are you calling to help me with this? Rather than saying, oh, this is another thing I have to figure out how to do myself. Um, the results can be amazing. The spirit can blow on through that work. And the result can be that when we do finally meet back together safely and can get back into those routines and rituals, you have young children who have already been introduced to the music of faith, the words of faith, the books of faith. 